Rational Creatures, Episode 10. Hello, hello, everybody. Today we are talking about Rational Creatures, Episode 10. It's a five-ish minute episode, pretty short. Um, I think there's three scenes that we'll kind of go through today. Getting some interesting drama, so I'm excited to talk about it. So our first scene is Sophie and Anna at the coffee shop, I think, where Anna works. It seems like the lady who brings the coffee, she knows her. So I'm thinking she's on her break or something and talking to Sophie. And so Sophie is Fred's sister, and she's talking about, kind of venting about Fred and how he is behaving currently. About how he wants to leave or um, is not working on his book and how his relationship with Lewis is bad, which it is. We were talking about that last episode quite a bit. And so that's just some background information about how Fred's not doing so well, about how he's not working on the book like he's supposed to, how he just seems to want to run away and how that's his solution to everything is to just escape and how it's taking Sophie's focus off of her own life and her grad school and stuff and having to focus on Fred instead. But then she gets into something that I think, to me, resonated so much. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit, even though it's kind of, I don't know how pertinent it is to the actual story itself. But Sophie says, when I figured out I was, when I first figured out I was aromantic, I had all these really close friends, so the future never really looked that lonely. And that just, I resonated so hard with that line. Because I don't think it's something I've really talked about on this show before, but um, I identify as Arrow Ace. And there was a term I learned recently that I can't remember now. Um, I might look up if I think about it, but... Um, of people who are identify as arrow ace, but are interested in like fantasy of romance, but not interested in having it themselves. And I'm very, um, I am somebody who I did not identify as arrow ace until quite a bit older. Um, I just thought I was weird or antisocial or something. I always just identified as like, there's just something wrong with me. Um, and that's why I am not connecting the way quote unquote normal people connect. Um, and it wasn't honestly until I was in, I was in my thirties, I think, before I even really was able to connect with the term arrow ace as being a concept for me. Um, and it wasn't until I found this other term, which I'm blanking on at the moment about people who identify as arrow ace in their personal lives, but are interested in it as a fantasy in romantic fantasies like romance novels, Jane Austen novels, for example, um, that that term really, really resonated with me, that I'm interested in romance for other people and in stories and stuff, um, but not interested in it for myself. Um, anyway, so that's getting a little personal there, but when Sophie says this line, is that when I first figured out I was aromantic, I had all these really close friends, so the future never really looked that lonely. I love that line so much. Um, I resonate with it hugely. Sophie is my spirit animal. I love her. Um, just this concept of 
wanting human connection but not wanting romantic love I feel like there's a certain age where that got really hard like college age it wasn't that hard because there was a lot of single people and like even if people are dating like you still have friendships in a lot of way and I feel like after college you get to this age where I felt like everyone else I knew was getting married and having kids and I didn't quite fit in anymore and they're getting like mommy and me groups and I don't really fit there because I don't have kids and you know it's one of those things where life there's certain phases where I feel like being arrow ace you don't fit in because so many people do tend to gravitate toward their significant other as their primary social companion I suppose um and people really pair off and want to do everything there and I have definitely feel, felt like I've been cut out of people's lives because they don't need a friend as much anymore because now they have a they have a I don't know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever. Um, and that's going to take up that social role for them. And I feel like so much of our current culture is designed around the idea that you're going to pair up and have this kind of exclusive companion to do almost everything with. And, you know, you don't need, you're going to have friends in this, uh, other places, but you're not going to do things with them per se. Like you're going to do things as a couple and because I'm not part of a couple, I can't go to the couples things. Uh, I don't know. It's just very, it gets very awkward for a while. And I feel like it got a lot better as I got older. Like I see, feel like I got over a hump and I started making friends with people who were older and had older kids and I fit bet much better in that group. So honestly, most of the people I spend time with now are significantly older than me. Um, because I feel like I kind of had to jump from the, like kind of early 20s group to like the 40s group and not really ever hang out with the 30s group I don't know if that makes any sense but I feel like people who are a little bit older and their kids are grown I fit more into that sort of stage of life with them of doing activities and having going places and stuff as opposed to people who are closer to my age who tend to have young kids if I feel like I'm almost like skipping that part of the situation and moving straight on to the next step. So anyway, that's probably doesn't really have all that much to do with this. And I don't know if it matters. Um, but I'm having my little personal therapy moment here. Of just like I really resonate with Sophie's comment here. And I wish they had been able to go into it a little bit more. Because that particular sentence is beautiful. And then it just kind of drops. And she doesn't really go into it anymore. Uh, well, I mean, she just talks about how, you know, as she gets older... You know, people have kind of scattered and Fred's her only like Fred's the one who's left and even he's doing all these annoying things. Um, and I definitely feel like I felt that of like the friend group sort of scattering and people basically pairing off and moving on to the next stage and me being feeling like I'm kind of being left behind in like the stage of being single and for a long time, not understanding why that was happening or, you know, you just feel like a loser because you can't find anybody. And it took me a long time to realize that the reason I couldn't find anybody who I wanted is because I didn't really want anybody. Because uh, it always just broke off when things started getting physical because I didn't want that with them. And I wasn't feeling like, and also like, you know, I was trying to figure out what attraction was because people were talking about feeling immediately attracted to people I'm like I don't feel that I don't look at somebody and know that I'm gonna want to touch them it just is such a foreign concept I don't even know how to describe it or talk about it 
Um, so anyway, this got this episode got very personal for me because I really, really enjoyed that Sophie talked about that. And it is not something as an Arrow Apes person that I ever really see, I don't know, talked about. It doesn't seem like that is considered something that is there's almost any representation of. And if there is any representation of, it's always somebody who is, you know, actually secretly longing for it. They're not just actually happy where they are. Um, and so they do end up getting paired off and you realize, oh, yes, no, they were just, you know, the 40-year-old virgin thing, whatever, that comedy movie of it was because he didn't know any better, not because he actually was happy that way, which, I mean, it can happen. Like, I, I understand that a majority of people um, want something that I don't understand, and that's okay, but the idea that there's no representation of it and I didn't even know it existed and, like, I just felt like a complete freak until I started figuring this out um, is something that I feel like it's almost a silent orientation, maybe, like, because I've, I don't necessarily feel like I fit in the LGBTQIA community of stuff. I love pride. I go and I don't always feel, I kind of feel like a fraud sometimes there because I'm not looking for a relationship they the way they are. And I've heard people talk about, well, you know, if you're just not wanting to participate, that's a different thing. Um, and it kind of is, I don't know. I don't know where I fit. I'll be honest. I still don't completely understand where I fit with this terminology, but at least I don't feel like a complete freak of nature to be like the only one who's broken and doesn't feel those things. And that's nice that it was a nice epiphany to come to that. I didn't have to keep trying and pushing myself to do something I didn't want just because it made me more normal. And I'm much happier now that I'm not trying to force myself to participate in dating, basically, when I don't want to. And I think it's more fair to other people, too. Like, I shouldn't be trying to date someone if I'm not actually interested in something that is important to them, right? Um, that's not fair to them, either. And I am much happier now that I've kind of acknowledged that's about myself and I'm not looking for that anymore. Um, and trying to force myself to want it because I assumed everybody did. And that was just, again, quote unquote, normal. And so I, I just really love this line, even though it's so tiny. I love Sophie and I love that they put it in there and have some sort of representation of this. Um, even though it lasts, what, 30 seconds, it is the only thing I can think of, of this kind of representation that I have really watched and, it means a lot to me, so I'm very happy it's there, and it makes me really, really happy. Anyway, this beautiful moment then gets ruined by Anna, who jumps in and changes the topic. Um, doesn't really give any emotional support for Sophie being so um, vulnerable, in my opinion, talking about this. And then complaining about Fred, and Anna's just like, well, I guess he was never going to stay forever. Anna. And then she kind of makes a face, and Sophie says, what? And then we go on to some completely other topic. Um, yeah. This scene just feels kind of forced and weird, and I don't get why Anna is being such a bad friend to Sophie in it. But we'll go on. It's the piece of information we needed to get out of this scene. The actual piece of information that is coming, that is drawing the story forward, is the piece that I don't care about. 
So that's probably problematic. Um, but again, it's a personal thing. So the piece of information we're getting out of the scene that Sophie or that Anna changes the subject to is that she is going back to work for her father and that, you know, she thinks that's a good thing and it's important and she'll be useful again, which is very important about Anna, that she wants to feel useful. And um, you can also seem that she seems a little... She seems conflicted about it, I think you're supposed to feel. I mean, she's trying to... It sounds like she's trying to talk herself into it being a good thing, that she's going to go back and work for her father. And how it's good and its stability and all of that. But... Mm, I don't know that I fully believe her. She still looks conflicted. So that's the end of that scene. We move on to the next scene, which is Charlie and Lewis exercising. They're doing sit-ups together. You see them kind of sit up into the screen and lay down and they're out of frame. Just, I think, a nice way to do it to just see them kind of sitting up. But Lewis is attached to his phone while they're doing this. And you can see on the screen that he has been texting Fred a bunch and Fred is not replying. And Charlie is telling him to stop it and to do stuff. And then we go to, you kind of flash over to Fred and you see the the text pop up and you see him ignore it and then go searching online for um, international flights, international flight deals or something. Um, so again, we're seeing Fred being a horrible boyfriend to Lewis, a continuation on the theme. Then we cut back and Charlie and Lewis are now doing push-ups. And they're chatting some more, and Lewis is fretting that Fred doesn't like him anymore, because it does seem like Fred is maybe ghosting him a little bit. And then he gets a he gets a text, and he's all excited, but he's like, "Oh, it's just Ben," which hurts my heart because I love Ben, and him and Ben are definitely end goals. And then Charlie says this really great line of, "Do you think Fred is stressing so much thinking about you?" And Lewis doesn't have anything to say about that and just looks really sad and depressed. And I feel very sad for him because it's really horrible. We're just seeing that Fred is being quite a dick to him. Um, and poor Lewis has so much love to give and wants to be in this relationship and has kind of convinced himself he has a relationship that he doesn't have because Fred has never been good to Lewis. And yet Lewis like went all in and Fred did not. And it's really sad to watch. And I feel so bad for Lewis in this scene. And then we cut to outside kind of in between the scenes and it's raining, which is very appropriate for just how I'm feeling about poor little Lewis right now. Then we move on to our final scene which is Anna and Mar Marisol fighting in the bedroom. Anna seems to be packing up her stuff, that she's going back to her job with Poppy. And Marisol is fighting with her about not going back. And Anna is basically saying that I need to, you know, I can't live in your spare room forever. I need to go do something where I'm useful. Um, I need to go back. And Marisol is saying that, you're miserable working for Poppy, that you shouldn't go back, that you should live your own life. You know, I know you're miserable and Anna's basically like, you don't even, you don't know what I want. You don't know what I want my life to be. And they kind of have this conversation in between, like, 
living your own life and being responsible is how I'm reading this. Of Anna is very attached to this idea of responsibility in my mind of where she feels like she has to do what is right, what is expected of her from her father. Her father wants her to, you know, she has been taking care of her father, taking care of the family business. Whereas Marisol is much more of a free spirit, went off and did her own thing and is living her own life. And Marisol is happy and she wants Anna to be happy too. And she thinks that Anna should do what she did. And I kind of see both of their perspectives here because... I think Metasol is being a little short-sighted. I think she's coming from a very good place, but is a little short-sighted. Because I think she is right in her idea that Anna needs to figure out what it is she wants out of her life and make herself happy. But, and I also think she's right that Poppy's probably taking advantage of Anna in the way that he is, especially in this way that he's kind of jerking her around and, you know, firing her and wanting her back, all of this. It's obviously that he's not, it's obvious that he is not um, giving her as much, taking her as seriously as he should as like the co-runner of their business, right? So I don't think Marisol's wrong here, but I do think that the way she's doing, she's coming across and making and saying this stuff to Anna is almost guaranteed to put Anna's back up because she's basically like, the way it's coming across is you're a stick in the mud and you need to go out and be more interesting of a person. And that's never going to be, I don't know, that's never going to be a way to, you know, make friends and influence people. I just think that the way that this conversation is going, Marisol's a little too brash in it to actually get her point across, even though I agree with her point. Um, but I think that often happens when you're talking with siblings. Like, you're so emotional about it. You guys have so much history together. You have so many sort of fights that you've already done together that it can get like that where it's just you've got too much to say and too much emotions about being able to actually say it correctly so I don't think either of them are really in the wrong here and I think that this is a really strong parallel to the um, Austin novel of Anna being very very Anne in that book being very sort of tied to her doing what's right and to her responsibilities to her family. And that was, you know, in the book, that's what happened initially, right? Like that she didn't marry Fred Wentworth, Frederick Wentworth, um, because of family responsibilities. And I think we're seeing that same parallel here where she didn't run off and do her year with Fred because of family responsibilities. Her dad didn't want her to do that. Her dad wanted her to go to college and then come back and work at the family business. And she ended up doing what her family responsibilities would tell her to do. And there's this line in here where she's like, I didn't run away when mom died. Um, which I wonder exactly. I don't know that we have much information of what, where the timeline is of that. If the mom died around when this decision was being made, because I could see that changing things. Um, again, to be personal, um, but my mom died my senior year of college, and I had gone to college close to home. Um, the college I went to was five minutes from the family home I grew up in, so I stayed at home, lived at home during college, all of that, and I 
had been seriously planning to leave and go to grad school that next fall. That was my plan. I was going to get out. I was going to go to a different state. I was going to go far. And then my mom died unexpectedly in March of my senior year of college. And that changed everything. And I didn't end up going. And I ended up, I did go to the grad school. I just ended up going to grad school at that same school that was five minutes from the house I grew up in. And I ended up staying in that house. And I ended up not moving out for grad school. And it, it changed everything, you know, a parent dying will do that. Um, so I do wonder if they're trying to, my mind at least went to the implication that possibly the mom died around the time of her graduating high school and making this decision of whether to go off on this trip with Fred or stay and take care of family responsibilities. And I could definitely see the mom dying being a contributing factor in why she decided to stay, if that's true. Um, now, in the novel, that it would not be the case, right? The mom died a long time ago when they were young. And so that could be still the case here, that the mom died when the kids were young and was not part of really this particular situation um, as far as her immediate death. But I could also see that even if the mom had died years ago, her feel Anna feeling even more responsibility as the oldest daughter to kind of take on the mantle of helping dad with the family business and making sure that the house and the family is running and doing and things are going well. And especially if she died around that time of like the end of high school, I, I don't know. I'm putting in that parallel of my exact life of saying if she died like the spring of senior year, that could completely have changed what Anna was willing and able to do. Um, it did for me. So I just feel like that, in my mind, is kind of my headcanon of where this is going and why Anna made that decision, or Anna made that decision. And it really fits well for me. So I don't, I don't know if that, I don't know that that's what they were implying in the show, but that's where my mind went because I think of my own life experience. But that's where I feel about this. I, I have made this particular episode super personal to me, and very paralleling my own life experience, but um. That's what I see out of it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think this episode, when you get down to it, really the information we got is that Anna is going back to work for Poppy, which follows the story of, if we're looking at the parallels to the uh, the um, Austin novel of Persuasion, is showing her going back home, or, you know, she goes to stay with her sister Mary for a while and then goes home again or goes back to her family in Bath. So we kind of see that transition happening here. In this case, it's her going back to her job with her dad, though, as opposed to going to them, going back to living with her dad in Bath. But it's the same, but it's very much following along the same sort of storyline arc there. Um, and we also see Fred sort of ghosting Lewis after the accident, which is exactly what he does in the novel, too. After Louisa falls and hits her head, he runs away. Um, so this is after Lewis has his panic attack. Fred is sort of ghosting him. So we're seeing those same parallels happening. Storyline is very much going along those same routes. Um, really, the big difference storyline-wise, I think, is Metasol versus Mary. Are completely different characters. Um, I think I talked about that way at the beginning, but there, that seems to be the biggest change to me that they made is that change in Marisol um, being a much more compassionate person and somebody who actually has a chronic disease as opposed to just complaining about being sick all the time, even when they're not. 
Um, and also like actually caring about other people because in the novel, Mary is just always about her own comfort and what she wants. And she's not exactly excited for Anna to, Anne to leave, but it's not because she's worried that she's going back to someplace where Anne's not going to be happy. It's that she's worried or is that she just doesn't like that Anne gets to go to bath and she doesn't and she's kind of jealous about it. Versus this one, Marisol is very clearly like, no, I want you to live your life and be as happy as you can be. And I don't think going back to work with your father is going to do that or our father is going to do that. So that is the biggest change I see here. Storyline wise, it's a very short episode, but we, we get some important plot development and, um, yeah, I think the reason this episode resonates for me specifically is that personal element of it. I love, I really draw on that little tiny arrow ace message, message at the beginning, which is so minimal, but I am grasping at straw or grasping for crumbs, gasping for crumbs. Uh, what is that line? I don't even know, but, um, uh, there's so little arrow ace representation of anything like that existing that I am just eating it up, even though it's itty bitty here. And I wish there was more. And, uh, yeah, that mention of like not running away when mom died also stabs me in the heart. I very strongly feel that message of needing to kind of step up because your mom died and you're the oldest daughter and you're kind of expected to keep the family going in her stead. And I really resonate with that concept as well. And so that is where I am taking Anna's decision here too of like, I'm reading into the situation of her sort of being the oldest daughter and stepping into her mother's shoes in a lot of ways to keep the family running and to keep things going um, the way she thinks her mother would want her to. And uh, yeah, that's the end of this episode. I'm really enjoying this series. Interestingly, I've got a lot more to say, I feel like, about this series than I did about Austin's novel, but I'm, I actually think I might like the novel better after having seen this particular adaptation, so we'll see. I, I am going to do a reread at some point and see whether I like the novel better than I did on initial read. But for now, it's time to go. That's all I've got for you today. Um, I do want to do a quick apology uh if you have heard weird noises and bangings and things there's construction going on in the house next door to me um and so there's definitely been some noise i think there might have been a chainsaw going at one point so i'm sorry if you hear any of that if you hear weird noises that's what it is there's construction happening um so hopefully it's not too noticeable or crazy in your face but either way it is what it is and this is what the episode sounds like so sorry um but I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you're enjoying this series. I really encourage everybody to go watch Rational Creatures on YouTube. It's free and it's fabulous. And go watch it. And there was the chainsaw again. Or something loud and buzzy. Anyway. Love you. And we'll talk to you later. Bye.